0: Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. Hello, this is Mike Oppenheim, and you're listening to Coffin Talk: Exit Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. With me today is an old friend from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Mrs. Kay Vanderpark.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, So with no further ado, and just for the audience's uh, knowledge, I've known Kay since we were both, I think, 18 or 19 years old. So we go back pretty far. So speaking of which, um, Kay, how old are you? Where did you grow up? And what generation do you consider yourself uh, belonging to?
1: Okay, I am 39 years old. And I grew up um, in Canada and America. So I was born in Canada and Toronto. And I lived in a few different areas in Ontario before moving down to Philadelphia, where I did my high schooling. And then I moved to Pittsburgh for my undergrad and came back up to Toronto to pursue my doctoral degree.
0: Awesome. And which you did get and congratulations. So
1: Thank you. Thank you. And I now live in Toronto.
0: Cool. And uh, what generation do you think you belong to?
1: Um, I guess according to all the definitions I've read, I'm a millennial, but right on the sort of tail beginning of millennial, um, I guess, but I I think from everything I understand about them, I'd probably identify most with them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I just do that so that our listening audience can kind of get situated for like your sense of identity and then what they're going to like, you know, assume and think about you. So, (laughs) okay. So, um, Today, we're going to be talking about uh, your philosophy on death and how that affects the way you live. So my very first question I usually ask people is, what do you think happens to you, Kay, when you die?
1: I think I cease to exist in a material sense, um, that my, my sort of essence lives on simply in the memories and hopefully actions of others as they channel, whatever energy I sort of gave them while I was in life.
0: (laughs) Cool. I really like that. I have not heard that answer yet. Um, Obviously, I'm going to hear a lot of different answers, but uh, it'll be fun to pick at this one and not pick at it in a negative way. But I want to pull all the threads and just see how cogent it is when we're done. So then um, does this affect your uh, decisions about moral uh, actions? In other words, if there's no consequences when you die, does that affect your morality here?
1: Um I feel I I mean I, I identify myself as a humanist um above and beyond everything and I think we have an ethical and moral um commitment to our fellow humans um and I believe that good works um and moral choices and actions do live on beyond you Um, it's not that those die with you. It's that your legacy is left in the world of the living, um, that you won't be punished for not doing anything, that you won't be rewarded for doing anything. Um, except perhaps you'd have a longer legacy. Um, but maybe not. I mean, but, uh, no, for me, I, I, I believe in the duty to here and now, and I think to, act based on a belief that you will be rewarded or punished in an afterlife is a way of delaying, um, delaying attention to the now in a lot of ways um, and projecting too much attention on the later. So I, I think it can be a stronger guide, guiding um, light to living a sort of ethical life.
0: I, I totally agree. I mean, that's, it's very like both intellectually and actually for me, um, heartfelt spiritually, like connected what you said. And I, and my definition of spirituality doesn't mean you have to think there's life beyond this, uh, realm, which is kind of what I want to ask you next, which is, have you ever had an experience that made you question or think about a greater life beyond your life, meaning like you were part of something bigger?
1: Um, I mean, I, I think for me, um, I think losing a loved one and I think becoming the parent to a loved one are both experiences that that would make me feel that I'm connected to more than simply my own existence. Um, I, in, in the loved ones that I have lost, I continue to feel their presence affecting me, not in that I think they are a spirit that lingers around, but in um, picking up a book that I know they loved they're they're with you again um there's a presence there and and in thinking about how what a decision I want to make I might think about what one of of them would have advised me with or 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 sort of what they would have done and so they continue to exist in that way and I feel connected to something bigger than myself and then in becoming a parent and thinking about the life that is gonna live you know beyond my own um I I am extending beyond my immediate existence I think um and I think the same truth applies to friendships that you have and to other relationships that you have in this world that that your own existence does exceed far beyond yourself um I guess that would be my answer
0: Yeah, no, that's a great answer. And um, I would love to talk to you about being a mother um, because it it does kind of connect for me. So um, you have a daughter and uh, how old is your daughter? She
1: is 15 and a half months old.
0: Awesome. Um, And so before you had a daughter, you had opinions, but I'm not even concerned with those. I'm just curious that since you had one, has anything changed for you um, in your opinions and other such tangentially related questions?
1: I think it becomes more immediate um in how much I I want to set an example for my daughter um and I want to not just talk about doing good things and and connecting with more people and helping more people but I want to do them as a way to show her that this is how how it is to be in the world is to try to help those around you Um, and I want her to grow up because we've decided that we will not be raising her in in religion because neither my partner nor myself um, have a religion Um, we want her to to still feel that there there are moral parameters um, and and that there is that it's important to make ethical and moral choices and that those should relate to helping those around you. And I think becoming a mother just made that more immediate and more pressing. Suddenly my solipsism is sort of hot to necess- necessarily disappear in order to ensure that my daughter is given a broader perspective
0: on the world. Cool. That's, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I have a, a child and I have another one on the way and I remember like not speeding and not honking at cars when when my child was born like i remember like this sweeping change in like but it wasn't because my morality changed it was because of the example that you're talking about so i'm curious like what's something small that you could admit to that you used to do or even still do that is technically not legal but is like not uh enforceable so for example speeding is like what my example would be
1: oh yeah, no, no. Um, that I that I still do now,
0: or that you did like prior to the birth of your child.
1: Right. Okay. Prior, I mean, certainly speeding would be one of them.
0: I, I wanted to like ask a specific question: when your when your child when your daughter's old enough to talk to you, would you use heuristics like shortcuts to explain why they shouldn't do things, or would you say like blatantly, "I don't speed because it's the law"?
1: Oh, uh, no, no. <laughs> um, I I would. I think heuristics, and I think um. I, I think there's going to be uh, allowing her to learn and make mistakes, and I think we have to make I mean laws are, are made by man um, they're not infallible they're not, they're not necessarily permanent either and to teach somebody to follow them blindly I think is is itself um, probably one of the major flaws <laughs> in our world um that, that people blindly follow. Um, and I, I think I would like to teach her to think critically about them. And I think in terms of something like speeding, it's not about the law, it's about the safety of others and, and yourself. And that's what you have to think about. You may be a perfectly fine driver, the road may be empty, but you can't predict someone a mile down the road stepping out in front of you. Um, just in, you know... So you need to be thinking about your actions and how they're going to affect others, Um, and and that's why I try to follow the speed limit now. Is I do not want to cause injury to myself or others.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I mean, because I'm relating to this because I really do feel like this powerful this this idea that you said the power of now and that you're a humanist, and so I'm trying to find loopholes in your what to me is a very secure system only because I want to see if this would work for like mankind. So my question, my next question would be, what would you do if your daughter, uh, at around like five or six, maybe because of like peers at school or something said, Hey, I really want to go to church.
1: Oh, I would absolutely let her go to church. Um, I plan to teach her about religion. Um, but I, I, we don't practice religion. If she would like to explore practicing religion, I'm, I'm happy to have her do so um and 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 I would I would go with her and we would talk about it I hope um I mean especially if she was five or six I mean she's not going alone (laughs) no I would I would I mean I I am all for her exploring different different belief systems and by no means do I plan to impose mine upon her Um, If he finds comfort through something else, then then that's important. I mean, I think that's a huge part of sort of. I mean, of of my humanist point is is I don't think God uh, or belief in God or a a God, some higher divinity, is wrong or bad or anything. I simply think that that God is a concept created by man, and we do better to look to man than to God. Um, But if people find comfort then i i think that can be a, a wonderful thing
0: so at any at any point along your your journey so far and you're still very young but uh did you ever on this journey like want or yearn for a god and for like a high moral order that exists beyond earth like did you ever have moments where you wished that were the case um
1: i yes in the sense that i think it it would feel very comforting to simply pray to a sentient being above me who controls thing and ask for, for something, whether that be, you know, health or protection or, you know, or, or luck or whatever blessings it is, or, or even to confess something to feel that you can un, um, relieve yourself of a burden by simply confessing it to something greater than yourself. I think that would be a great comfort, but I, I, I do think it's a slightly delusional one. Um, I, I don't think, it's going to get me very far. Um, I think instead of of wishing for something, acting in a way to procure it or produce it is a much more effective strategy. Um, and the same thing with the need to confess to unburden. Um, you know, you can attend therapy, but I think, again, your actions are what are going to ultimately unburden you of something you, you feel guilty um, about. So... I mean, I think, I think there is comfort in it, but I, I don't know that it's comfort that promotes action. And that's where I have a problem, I guess.
0: Yeah. And uh, that's, I mean, that was a great answer. I, I would actually like almost want to end a podcast on that, but I'm not going to, um, I have plenty more questions. So I, I know you very well and I know your history and I know you've had some like medical run ins and some like, you know, close calls, but recently you had a really scary close call. Are you comfortable telling that story briefly?
1: Um, yes,
0: I will, I guess, try to be concise.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, the the very concise version is I had a surgery and everything seemed to go well. And I was, my partner was driving us home, which at that time happened to be quite far away. So we were on the highway and I started bleeding immensely from the wound. And what ultimately turned out is that an artery had been cut. Um, and nobody had realized it. And I nearly bled to death on the highway trying to get to a hospital. So um, that was, it was a very, very scary experience. I absolutely thought I was going to die. Um, the paramedics <laughs> were fairly surprised that I didn't. <laughs> so... <laughs> I was I was very very lucky that that my partner was able to remain calm enough as I bled all over the interior of the car, um, and get me to the medical facilities that were needed. <laughs>
0: And, and for our listeners, uh, Kay and I are very similar. We both laugh at like <laughs> things like this. So yeah, like it's very awkward. I'm like laughing while you tell the story and I'm like, oh, they're going to think I'm uh, a sociopath. Um, so my question for you is during that, and I'm not asking this in like a gotcha journalism way. I'm just very curious. Did you at that point um, pray at all? Like, was there any part of you that was like praying or like seeking outside external help?
1: No, um, absolutely not actually. And, and I remember that. like that that's actually a very vivid thing for me because um, I was raised um, in religion and I I left it voluntarily um, as a young adult Um, and so no the fact that I didn't i like instinctively turn to sort of praying to a a god or a divinity Um, no all I could think about was my daughter and how sad I was that I wouldn't be there to see her
0: grow wow that's i mean so heavy and so profound at the same time um and so uh, one of the reasons i brought this up is that we talked shortly after that and you said something that like really touched me and you said you know ever since that i'm i'm paraphrasing you so please correct me but you said i i want to reach out to some of my really good friends and my family members more often like life is precious you didn't say life is short you said life is precious i think yeah yeah so have you have you continued on that trajectory? Because it's been what, like a month and a half now, two months since this happened.
1: Um, it's been well, actually since then. It's been almost six months now. Um, I have I have been trying to absolutely. I have reconnected a little bit more with friends um, and and who, you know. Who, had not been lost to me. It's not it's not that i i've 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 gone back and and sort of turned to people who I no longer had any communication with anymore. It's but I have started trying to rebuild and and strengthen some of the relationships that i I care the most about. And I'm definitely prioritizing making time for, you know, a phone call even after I've spent all day on the phone because of work or something like that. I'm, you know, I am trying to, obviously. COVID is is making things challenging in the, you know, there's not the opportunity to go see people. And then, you know, the 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 juggle of trying to balance working and childcare does cut into a lot of my energy stores. <laughs> so so I'd say I probably haven't been quite as as good at it as I hoped, but it is still absolutely one of the things I have am trying to
0: put time into. Cool. Well, so the um the interviewer in me has heard you mention the term energy twice now, and I'm I'm getting the uh idea that I should probably explore your thoughts on energy because you're you're definitely using it within the realms of how you defined life in existence, but I'm curious, like how would you define energy?
1: Um oh, how would I define energy? Um by my absolute lack of it right now. No. Um <laughs> no <laughs> I, I think I think energy is something that radiates out from all of us. And I think um at various points people will have more or less or a stronger pulse of it, let's say. And your energy is in a way what you have to give um to your family, to your friends, to your work, to to the world. It it's what, you know, and again, at different moments you'll have more or you'll have less. And I I just think it is it is that I mean. It's not an aura that's but that's how I envision it I guess but it is that I want to use the word energy here <laughs> and I realize that in defining energy that is <laughs> an incorrect thing to do but it, it it is it is that which allows us to act I
0: guess I am putting words in your mouth but I'm curious if this sinks to you so would you almost say like energy is like your life force like you have it while you're alive and then when you die that's it it's gone
1: Um I would say Sort of, not quite, because I actually think energy is one of those things that you can give to others in a way. I can energize you, right? If I speak very passionately about something and you decide, wow, that's incredible, I want to pursue that. That's, like, I've given you energy, you know, some of my energy. I've energized you um, to pursue something. And so I, I do, I believe that that is the legacy that lives on of you is is this energy in a way? If you want to say like th- there is more beyond the materiality of existence, I think it is that you know your your energy can continue to motivate and compel um, and enrich other people beyond your sort of life.
0: I really like that. I think that's a beautiful way to look at the world. So, when your daughter was born, did she instantly have energy?
1: absolutely (laughs) i would i would say i mean and now it's growing and changing but i mean i i mean her energy at that point was based on a you know a will to survive um and and that is you know
0: well so do you do you think the source of energy of well so first of all just to lay out some ground rules i'm going to use the word consciousness just to mean like A rock doesn't seem to be conscious, but a dog does. Okay. So I'm using it like very, very basically here. So, uh, what, to me, what is fascinating about childbirth and any live birth is that this animal comes into existence with consciousness, which is to me different than like my orange tree grows an orange and I take the orange off the branch. I don't feel consciousness in the orange. So do you have any theories on like the origins of consciousness or what the heck is going on?
1: Oh God. Don't you want to get into discussions of the soul? Um, (laughs) Aristotle. Um, do do I um I mean, honestly, I, I do think there is, as you've said, a huge difference between an orange and a baby or even a puppy or and where that difference comes from. I mean I I honestly like this is I, I probably want to go into science for this, but I don't know the science <laughs> I, but I I really, I don't know. I don't actually think I have a theory on that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I wish I did.
0: No, and it's okay that you don't. And it's just because that to me is kind of dovetails into this whole. So you started out by saying you're a humanist and you definitely made a case for it. And you said, look, the now matters more. I, I, I wish personally that people would look to like the present to be moral, not to like some sort of fictional or even truthful story of existence.
1: Absolutely. Cuz even if if there is a truthful beyond, I mean if you look to the now, you know, I guess you'll achieve what you want in in the next life, right?
0: <laughs> well, and what's what's weird too is you made this argument about your legacy and that, you know, and then you you actually caught yourself. I heard you catch yourself and you're like, "Oh, well actually you could go too far to get a legacy in either direction, not just good." So like, and that immediately made me think of the most famous legacy of our modern era, which is Hitler. Like, I would say more than Martin Luther King, more than Gandhi, more than so many positive legacies, w- the legacy of Hitler might be the strongest energy legacy I can think of, based on your worldview.
1: Yeah, no, a- absolutely, and um, I mean that is sort of the, I mean it, it is a a amoral. I mean humanism isn't I mean, immoral or immoral position. It's amoral. The more the the positive or negative way that you take it is is bound up with with how each individual acts. Um, So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it is one of the unfortunate things, but the freedom, obviously, to make the choices, negative or positive, you know, resides in every individual. Um, So... I, yeah, I don't I don't have my I you are right. You did. I did catch that as I was thinking it out when I said it. And, you know, it, it it's not a great thing. I mean, I think the only hope is I'd rather have a positive legacy than a negative legacy. And obviously, the unfortunate thing for something like Hitler is some people do see his legacy as a positive positive one which is absolutely terrible um and disgusting
0: well and that's outside of our control but it is interesting that like he achieved a sense of immortality at least in your realm of ethics um I shouldn't say ethics because that makes it sound weird. But, and also I do think what you said that for me, I always learn something from these interviews. I learn a lot, but what I'm learning from you is actually that I really should be careful with words like good and bad, that the relativity going on is unreal. And even like the times I've scolded my son because he did something bad that society says he can't do. But in my head, I'm like, there's actually nothing wrong with that. I'm just helping you not get yelled at by a teacher in three years. Like i'm not <laughs> I'm not really enforcing my own moral paradigm, so um on that note, because we are running out of time, I learned many things from you, but that was one of them. Is there anything you learned about yourself today?
1: Oh, anything that I learned about myself, I mean, I guess I want to think a little bit more about where human consciousness comes from now <laughs> um, but i it, you know I mean I think i I don't have uh, you know as a entirely formulated sense of life and death, as I maybe sort of walked into this thinking I might have had. Um, but at the same time, I also think that one of the things I, I, I learned is how much our experiences in life. So my experience with almost losing my life, my experience in, in, um, giving birth to another life, um, do bring into more vivid realization what it is you believe, um, and what matters. And I think like actually hearing you sort of bring those two different experiences in my life sort of into dialogue with one another, that sort of actually made me realize how these events really do continue shaping my worldview
0: well cool thank you so much I mean it was just a total pleasure to talk to you we could go on for hours and hours we have and we will again so uh, Kay Vanderpark from Toronto Ontario Canada thank you so much for helping us put another nail in the coffin
1: well thank you so much
0: this has been another episode of walking Coffin alone. Talk Exit Interviews of the Living I am Mike Oppenheim and we'll walking see you soon when I hear this song and I'm walking alone walking alone